Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Brian. Hey. Do you remember a few years ago when I went to WrestleMania 31 out in California? That was such a fun time. California. California. Yep. You know, it was so nice out there. The weather was great. You know, the people were so nice. But you know what I love the most about being out in California? What? Loving California, living left coast time. I don't need to warn ya, the bays out here are so fine. Shirts off, shades on, smash us on the stereo. Rocking with the top down is hella rad. Now here we go. I love boobs in California, sand in California. In California, and my staying in California. I love dodging California, hiking California, but the boobs in California are the greatest boobs around. Oh, 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 the greatest boobs. Daisy Duke's so high, the pockets are peaking. Every day in Cali land is a weekend. I love boobs in California. Sun in California, sky in California, and my bro in California. I love biking California, working out in California, but the boobs in California are the greatest boobs around. Uh-oh, uh-oh, are the greatest boobs around. Welcome to the Wrestling Outsiders Podcast. I am your wonderful, one-of-a-kind, amazing host, Aria, joined as always by the only member of this show that has never been to California, my brother, Brian Whitner. Brian, how are you doing today? What the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? That was boobs in California. The best boobs are in California. The majority of the boobs in California are fake. That uh, song, as I think some of our listeners will probably know, is from the Netflix sitcom Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, well, I don't watch this show. I don't watch it. Well, spoiler alert, that's from this season. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, okay. Yes. So, we go from talking about boobs in California to a show written by a boob. Yes. No, we're not talking w- about. Oh, we're, we're not talking about leader Captain Spec. We're we're not also not talking about Raw, which yeah. is written by Stephanie, and actually she's not even the writer anymore. It's basically Vince. He hires a whole bunch of people to allegedly write the show, and then he does it himself. His boobs and Hunter's boobs, you know, you know, any of the divas are you know fighting for second place. Yeah, at least second. Yeah, at least second. Yeah. I'll be honest. 
I have not watched a second of either Raw or SmackDown since Backlash. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me, me neither. That show is just so fucking awful. And it's not just Jinder won the title. It's just that entire show. And what made it worse, even, was they were in front of the same crowd that was at TakeOver. And TakeOver had that amazing crowd for an amazing show. And then Backlash, they all sat there on their hands because they were presented one shitty-ass show. You know, yeah, we've already got another pay-per-view this Sunday, which I'm really not looking forward to. Extreme Rules. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With the match with uh, an extreme enforcement of the rules with The Miz and Dean Ambrose. What kind of match is it? What kind of match is it? There's an, an extreme enforcement of the rules because if Ambrose gets disqualified, he loses the title. Uh... So, you know, maybe it's just me, but it seems obvious that the finish, the match should last about 10 seconds because the bell rings and then Maurice kicks Miz in the groin. Make that. Make that. Miz gets disqualified, but wins the or Ambrose gets disqualified, Miz wins the title. But what'll happen instead, especially if they do something similar, is they'll go twenty minutes and then have Maurice just get Ambrose disqualified somehow. Makes sense too. Makes sense too. Either way either way the either way, either gonna way. Stop. Let's 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 look at it like that. Well, if that's not enough then we've got to watch five women kill themselves on ladders in two weeks for the first ever women's Money in the Bank ladder match. The like, One of the problems with that, and it's not just you're asking these women now to have to live up to the same expectations as the men are going to have in the same match, which is going to be tough enough since the men's match as, you know, some of the best wrestlers in the company. Yes. You know, it has AJ Owens, Nakamura, I forget the rest, Sami Zayn's in there, you know. And so then you're expecting... But then you're expecting Carmella and Nikki Bella, among others, to equal value. Nikki Bella's not in that match. She's not? Okay, well, no, still. Car- Carmella. It's Carmella, it- Talia, Tamina, or, yeah. yeah. E- Tamina, even, even better. E- yeah. Even better. Tamina has got to, you know, help bring up the quality of this ladder match. Yes. So, yes. if we ignore that, if we just, you know, ignore the, oh, I'm just, a stupid smart mark who only is going to watch good wrestling, which, by the way, is leads me to watching a lot of New Japan, by the way. Um, but here's the thing. They have six women on the SmackDown roster. Six. Yep. One of the things with, yep. the, with the Money in the Bank briefcase is the person who gets it, they don't have to immediately go after the title for the men. 
because there's 30 fucking people on the roster that they could wrestle. But now you're going to have a situation where Naomi's the champion, so any of them can win it. So it's not like you need a baby face and you need a heel to win. But yeah. then you have, like, how long can you go before it becomes, well, now they're just wasting time until they actually do the cash-in. Yeah. Like, you either have to, yeah. you either have to do the cash-in pretty quickly, or it just gets to the point where you're just dragging it out like you... Like, somebody basically is dragging out this entire summer because they've got ideas for SummerSlam and WrestleMania, and all this time in between is just getting in the way. Either way, it's going to be a hot rock. It's going to be a fun fun. I can't wait for Great Balls of Fire. What about us? WWE has sucked so badly... I don't even laugh at Great Balls of Fire anymore. And I thought, like, that that was going to be the thing that I was going to not stop laughing at for months. It's like, I'm, so, I'm just so disgusted with watching the product that, you know, fucking Great Balls of Fire at this point is not the stupidest thing. Did, did you watch that fucking Bailey segment on on Monday? The what? The what? The Bailey segment. No, I was sleeping. Okay, well, they did this thing, they did a This Is Your Life for Bailey, and Alexa Bliss brought out all these people, like um, her first boyfriend, who never got to kiss her because her dad was always there. And then they had the teacher who was like, uh, her dad was always in school because Bailey couldn't be left alone in school and needed to have her dad with her. And then... Somehow it was implied, and again, I didn't watch the fucking thing, because, I mean, just hearing about it was bad enough. But it was implied that Bailey was a loser because she stayed home and watched Raw and SmackDown. Uh, so they have a dwindling television audience, are constantly putting up the worst ratings in Raw history, and now they're telling you that the people who watch the show are losers for doing so. So that's going to get the people that need to watch it on TV or in general. And I thought TNA was bad when the first thing that they said this year was everything you just watched in the last eight years sucked and ignore all that. I thought that was bad enough. And so you know, this... And so champion anyway. Lastly, lastly. I don't even know what the fuck their main event that Slammiversary is supposed to be because Lashley is the TNA champion, Alberto Del Rio is the Global Force Wrestling champion, and I thought those two were supposed to have a unification match, but they spent all this time talking about how EC3 is the number one contender, and he's going to take on Lashley at Slammiversary, but EC3 is also feuding with James Storm, and I don't fucking know. Here's the good news, by the way. You know, they're taping in India. Spoiler alert, not that anybody listening could possibly give a fuck, but Sanjay Dutt won the X Division title. Oh, my God. Sanjay. My go-to guy. guy. Yeah. Now, of course, everyone points to the coincidence that WWE just put the title on Jinder fucking Mahal, and so TNA uh, went and put the title on their Indian wrestler. Um... Allegedly, TNA's had these plans since March, which was before 
uh, WWE started the Jinder Mahal push. But still, it just looks, again, like TNA's copying WWE, even though, allegedly, they were they had this idea three months ago. It, it's almost as bad as... It's almost as bad as when Daniel Bryan won the world title at WrestleMania and TNA replied by putting the world title on their scrappy, bearded, underdog wrestler, Eric Young. Yes. Yeah. And then they literally... Uh, well, Daniel Bryan got a neck injury, and I was co- half of us were convinced that somehow TNA was going to make Eric Young get neck surgery just because that's what Daniel Bryan was doing. Makes sense. Makes sense. I'm happy to announce Eric Young was not forced to have neck surgery. Yes. Yes. So TNA's plan failed in a way. Yeah. Although, you do remember what Daniel Bryan, what that whole title was supposed to lead to, right? Uh, Rock at SummerSlam? Yeah, he was supposed to get the beating that Cena got. <laughs> Well, that's probably a good thing that, you know, Cena didn't, uh, uh, Daniel Bryan wasn't able to wrestle. I'm sure Daniel Bryan was happy that he had surgery and, uh, and basically his career ended shortly thereafter. Well, considering Cena took how many German suplexes? Uh, wasn't it 16? Something like that, yeah. That was the first, that was the first time they did that, which... You know, it was cool and everything. And then that just became the Brock Lesnar match, where every match is a dozen German suplexes and an F5. Yep. Yep. Maybe throw in the photo off. What did you call it? Komodo lock? No. I'm not even going to tell you. It's just such a perfect line that. It's the commuter lock from now on. Okay. Okay. So, um... That's a Komoda. I'm sorry, the Komoda lock, which also is not the real name of the move. Um, so since we're 15 minutes in and haven't yet talked about Nitro, uh, we're going to take a brief audio interruption, and then we'll be right back to talk about Nitro. What do I want to pull out? Oh, that works. You Julius, are a naughty bastard. Naughty Best thing I've ever done, yeah. It's the only thing, man. You've done some pretty awful things to me in my time, but this takes the bloody biscuit. And you've pissed on that biscuit, and I've got to eat it. Well, here's the news, Malcolm. I will not eat the pissy biscuit. Sam, no pissy biscuit. Oh. What are you going on about, Hey, convenient timing. It's now halftime in the NBA Finals, so... What better way to spend the next 20-ish minutes on listening to this fine program, right? Yes. Amen. Amen. All righty. So, WCW Monday Nitro, April 24th, 2000, from Rochester, New York. That is too long of an introduction because we didn't even get the full Nitro intro. They didn't even show the entire WCW logo popping up before we immediately cut away to Vampiro and Sting fighting backstage. Vampiro beats up Sting with a pipe while Bam Bam Bigelow just casually walks by. Makes sense. It's 
That went Yep. Bam Bam does not give a fuck. That That went a whopping 30 seconds, and suddenly we got our Pyro and Ballyhoo. And then we didn't have time to do a proper introduction because it's time for our first match. Now, you might recall in prior weeks we were complaining about two things. Either there was not enough wrestling or the wrestling completely sucked. Well, this week, Vince Russo listened to us and gave us a lot of wrestling matches. Of course, they all, most of them sucked. Yeah. But what he lacked in quality, we made up for in quantity. And we start with Terry Funk and Bam Bam Bigelow for the hardcore title. And, of course, this show is so tightly booked, we don't even have time for entrances as Bam Bam just attacks Funk in the aisle. Yeah, who the fuck does entrances anymore? Come on. Now, you might recall last week that tables were mysteriously pushed over on the wall, and we still have a goal to find out when is that going to pay off. Huh. Hmm. Huh. I don't know. Time um, will Anyway, these two hit each other a lot, and then the fucking cat ran in, danced, and kicked Bam Bam in the face. Funk, who still had a garbage can over his head, fell on top of Bam Bam for the win in a shit match. And then the cat demanded his music play to end the segment. Yeah. What, what's the nitro what, without the cat the dancing? Cat. By the way, this is the last time we saw Terry Funk, Bam Bam, or uh, the cat, despite the fact that last week, and not last week, but, you know, before... The uh, Russo and Bischoff were so obsessed with uh, Funk losing this title that they were firing and doing Christ knows what else to anybody who failed in their quest to beat him. Sandman now fired? Sandman now fired? Who knows? Well, you might recall last week that the show went off the air with Bret Hart swinging a steel chair while Hulk Hogan was trying to kill Eric Bischoff. Now, they did not have a thunder last week, so this was supposed to inspire you to watch this week. And it was now time to find out what Bret Hart did with that chair. Well, he hit Hogan with it, and then we were told that he would explain why he did that on Thunder. Yep, that's about it. And did we find out on Thunder why? Oh, well, we do, but that'll be a discussion for next week. Oh, God. What the hell? Yep. Oh, Lord. So, by the way, we still haven't gone to commercial yet, so this is all one segment. Billy Kidman and Tori Wilson are out next, because you can never have too many people and too many angles in ten minutes. No, of course not. Uh, no, of course not. Kidman is not yet tired of getting his ass kicked by Hulk Hogan. And he said last week, Hogan realized that Kidman is more of a man that he can handle. Uh-huh. You know, Hogan just gets tired of beating Kidman up all the damn time, I guess. Remember when Bullet Club last year on Raw, when they had their feud with Cena, 
They talked about how they would beat up John Cena. Well, that, that's basically Hulk. Yeah, that's basically Hulk Hogan with Billy Kidman. If he just wakes up, says his prayers, takes his vitamins, and beats up Billy Kidman. Hell of a day. Hell of a day. Anyway, because we're shooting, Kidman, who, by the way, was called Kidman and not his shoot name here in this shoot, he called out Terry Bollea for a match tonight. Because, Brian, it's a shoot. Shoot, yes. I mean, shoot on you. I mean, shoot on you. So, WCW world champion Jeff Jarrett and the real stars of the show, Kimberly and Eric Bischoff, were walking backstage, and Bischoff sees this go down on a monitor and exclaims that Kidman uh, is out of his fucking mind. You know, Kidman, who's uh, half the age of Hulk Hogan, better shape, better shape. Needs a big push. Doesn't get one because of Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Well, then Norman Smiley was backstage with somebody. And who was he backstage with? He was with the devil, Vince Russo. And Russo said that in order for it to be a fair fight, Norman had to find a tag team partner player to face Terry Funk in a two-on-one handicap match at Slamboree. Oh, and God. Norman said, yeah, Norman said he had a partner in mind. By any chance, Brian, do you remember who his partner yes. is? Yes. Once he said that, okay, I'm well, like, oh, dear God, Ralphus is coming back. <laughs> Ralphus is coming in 13 days. Or, you know, uh, that's your next week we're doing May 1, the week after, so in two weeks in Slamboree. Which shockingly is not the uh, is not the most offensive thing on that show by a long shot. By the way, no, no. So the WCW World Champion Jeff Jarrett was out next, who, by the way, has been champion for eight days already. A whopping eight days is out next with the real stars of the show, Eric Bischoff and Kimberly. And Kimberly Bryan, she has papers. Yeah, what papers could these be? Well, we I should point out that at ringside is D-list movie star and star of the quote-unquote hit Ready to Rumble, Mr. David Arquette. And he's there like a good baby face booing those awful, awful... Heels, Jeff Jarrett, Bischoff, and Kimberly. And I should also point out that this movie star is in the audience and only one person recognizes him. Go figure. That kid sitting next to him was the only one that that knew who the hell he was or noticed that he was a celebrity. To be fair, he may not have actually known that he was a celebrity, he could have just been guessing because there's a camera pointed on him. Could have been. That's what I'm thinking, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Alrighty. And so, anyway, Kimberly announces, um, by the way, Jared, by the way, the WCW World Champion, says he's going to neglect DDP's ass. I don't know what that means, but apparently 
it's something to do with what he's going to do to him at Slamboree. Ah, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, I can see he's going to give him his celebrity anal sex, probably. For some reason, Eric Bischoff's had a lapel mic. He didn't have the normal house mics that everyone else has. No, he just had the lapel mic that was going over the speakers, which led to a funny moment where uh, Jarrett went to give him his uh, wireless microphone so the sound people turned down Bischoff's lapel mic, but then Bischoff said no to Jarrett, but the sound guys didn't realize it at first, so Bischoff's microphone was completely down and off for several seconds. I'd rather suck up courtesy of Vince Russo. Well, that's not so much Russo. That's the production team for a change. No, blame on Russo. Nah, I figure we'll blame Russo for the shit we can blame Russo for. So because oh, if we blame no if we blame Russo, but if we blame Russo for the shit that he had nothing to do with, then we lose our credibility, Brian. Because you know, uh, what you gonna call it? Um, we lose our credibility because then we're just blaming him for shit he didn't actually do, and it's not worth it. We'll just blame him for the shit that he did do. Like everything we else on this show, we have a, we have more credibility than Russo. Okay, makes sense. Okay. So anyway, DDP came out, and Kimberly did this promo, a shitty promo. Basically, Vince Russo wanted Kimberly to be his new stable, and so in order to be stable, we have to have Kimberly cutting bad promos every week. Uh, Kimberly wanted to divorce. Paige didn't want to give her a divorce. And this led to, I should point out, while those two are arguing, Jeff Jarrett, the world heavyweight champion, the fourth fiddle in the ring at this point, was able to walk behind them and stand behind Paige, and no one noticed or cared. Um, Jarrett then hit Paige with a guitar, and Paige was then saved by David Arquette. <laughs> Let me get this straight now. A pro wrestler was saved by a B-list actor. Yes. Now, in case you don't recall, and, you know, you don't feel like Googling him, and you just keep hearing about David Arquette, David Arquette, you know, there are some actors who are fairly big and decently built. David Arquette is not one of them. Not even close, no. David Arquette is about 5'6", if that, about 150, 160 pounds, if that. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a athletic 5'6", 160 no. pounds or whatever. Okay. So David Arquette makes the save, but then Jarrett goes after Arquette. And so Canyon, who last week was the biggest jobber on the show, comes out and makes the save and runs – and Canyon – Runs off the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Now That's is Canyon getting tender. Well, is Canyon getting a shot at the World Title? No. 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 So Jarrett, by the way, Canyon, who was a bigger pussy than everybody last week, is now better than the World Champion this week. Makes sense. Yep. 
Um, and so Jared is now the sixth or seventh fiddle on this show or on this segment. And so ultimately it leads to Eric Bischoff wanting a match with David Arquette. Arquette accepting, and but said that if he wins, then Jarek had to defend against Paige in a cage match tonight. And thankfully, Brian, there just happened to be a cage hanging up over the ring. What would you think of this segment? Way too long. Way too long. It was just it was boring after a while. It was too predictable. Like the paper, the paper is in Kimberly's stand. Hmm, I wonder what they could be. Huh, interesting. But, and then, of course, David Arquette happens to be in the crowd. So, yeah. Yep. And there happens to be a steel cage above the ring. I know. Uh, what if the cage wasn't above the ring? And Arquette That's just true. said they were going to have a cage match. Well, maybe Bischoff would have... Maybe Bischoff would have had to beat Arquette then. Probably. So... You might recall last week, Chronic had debuted, Brian Adams and Brian Clark. Both of these men, six foot four, six foot five, about three hundred pounds, very ripped, very muscular, badass looking dudes. And last week they were backed down by the scrawny, out of shape, paunch bellied I know I just called them both skinny and paunchy at the same time, Vince Russo. So, because it was such a success last week, it happened again. Chronic demanded a tag title match. Russo stood up to them and backed them down by himself and said that they had to do a favor for him first. Which, by the way, didn't they do a favor for him at Spring Stampede, which is supposed to get them the title shot in the first place? A lot of favors are negotiated here. So, Jeff Jarrett's already yelling at Eric Bischoff after yelling at Vince Russo last week. And so Eric Bischoff then made the WCW World Heavyweight Champion leave his office and tell him to go find Billy Kidman. I wonder if Jeff Jarrett is enjoying this reign as world champion so far. He should. He's world champion. He's world champion. Yeah. After so far he's being beat up by everybody in the company, which, by the way, Last week, he, was, he had his ass kicked by Scott Steiner for their entire match after being scared of Steiner the entire show. So mm-hmm. we're just making a list of the people that Jared is inferior to despite being world champion. That list includes uh, Eric Bischoff. So then Sting was searching for Vampiro backstage. Does Vince Russo have, like, three ideas for what to do on a wrestling television show? And he has to do them all every week. He plays hide and seek. Come on, it's a classic. This is now our fourth show and the fourth time that we've had a show-long storyline of Babyface is looking all over the arena for the heel. Hide and seek is a classic game. I'll tell you what, though. Billy Kidman did not lose his hide-and-seek championship here because uh, Vampiro, you know, was a lot easier to find. Oh. Even if he's all dressed in black. 
Yep. So we got our second match. Uh, it took us this long to get to our second match. And when they came out for the match, I was ready for them to just say, okay, skip this match and go to more backstage segments. The the WCW Cruiserweight Champion, Chris Candido, and Tammy Sitch, formerly known as Sonny, in case you're not sure, versus the the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea, which is exactly what it sounds like, and Paisley, which, if you forget, is Charmel in tight purple leather. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it does not make her look that terrible. No. Although it's funny because they didn't actually say it was a mixed tag at first. Um, Tammy came out wearing a robe. And uh, you ever notice every promo she ever cut in WCW? And I don't want to imply that she was on anything except her and Chris especially have a long well-known history of drug abuse. But every promo she cut in WCW, she sounded like she was constantly on something. Or constipated. Or constipated. And do you want to guess how old she was at this point? Uh, mid-30s? How old, would you, how old would you say she looked in this segment? Old. Oh, give me I a number. Say, uh, she looks like mid forties, but I know she was a metal. Okay, well, take an educated guess. I think she was early thirties. I would have said. She was twenty-seven. Damn. Yeah, she looks a lot older. Yeah. She had a hard twenty-seven years, mm-hmm. and she. I wrote that she was wearing her old Bonnie Donna's outfit, but it wasn't that. She was wearing. Something very similar, though, to her old body Donna's outfit. Yes. And then, before the match even starts, the announcers are going on and on about how uh, if Sting finds Vampiro, we're going to immediately cut away from this match. So this match is so unimportant that if Sting and Vampiro are within 20 feet of each other, we're not going to be watching this match anymore. Which may not be a bad thing. However, uh, yeah. Um, I want to say for the sake of fairness, Candido and the artist have some pretty chemistry, and they actually do have a one-on-one match at Flamboree that I remember being pretty good. Um, However, this match had nothing to do with them. This match was all about the women. It was a whopping two minutes. Uh, Tammy, by the way, whether or not she was on drugs, she did do a pretty nice-looking dive off the top rope to the arena floor where the two men were there to catch her. However, she immediately stood up and so did everybody else and ran away from it, so we didn't even have time to sell it. No. And uh, they teased the ECW mixed tag finish from every Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch match uh, where they'd be wrestling Lance Storm and Dawn Marie, where in ECW, Lance Storm would pick up Tammy for a souffle, show everyone her butt, and then Candido would hit him with a gimmick, and Sonny would roll him up with a small package for the pin. They teased that, but the artist kicked out. And then, 
after a convoluted series of something, Candido accidentally clotheslines Paisley and Tammy Pinder. Tammy gets a victory in the next tag match. Sting then decided that he's Hulk Hogan this week because, if you recall, Hulk Hogan came out last week and destroyed Sean Stasiak after his match. Uh, Sting then walked out and just beat the crap out of Candido. The only difference is we'll see Candido again. Stasiak, we won't see for a while. No, we'll see Stasiak uh, next week. He's actually got Candido, or Stasiak also has a match at Slambury, but I don't think it's official yet. Uh, um, Sting announced that it was showtime and said that him and Vampiro need to have another conversation, so he wants a first blood match tonight, playa. Mm, so they can have that conversation. Uh, David Arquette was backstage tying his shoes, and so DDP and Canyon were spiking him up. And then we got... Again, we're going through a lot of matches here tonight, folks. Yes. We we got Chronic versus Team Package. And the favorite that was last from Vince Russo was answered in this match as Chronic pretty much went out and destroyed Luger and Flair. Not without interference well, with Fagel and Shane Douglas, though. Well, by the way, I should note, and I can't even remember what this is supposed to lead up to, but Miss Hancock was walked out again to observe the match. Buff Bagwell ran out 30 seconds in, and the bell rang for a disqualification. However, the referee ignored the fact that the bell rang for a disqualification. Um, Douglas ran in and hit Flair with a bat, and then Chronic hit Flair high times, and in the moment that just... Shocks people to no end. Although to be fair, he's not—it's not the most random person to ever pin him. But Brian Adams then pinned the 35-time world champion Ric Flair. What do you think was a worse job for Flair, this or when he jobbed to Rico? Probably Rico. Who knows though? It's yeah, you know, it's a uh, it's close. I don't know about that. So Chronic showed their appreciation to their stablemates, Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas, by beating the crap out of them, because no one is. It's a Vince, it's a Vince Russo show, so no one is ever allowed to get along. Never. Why would people get along? Where were Mean Gene and uh, Vampiro? Were they in the rafters? Or were they like in the the boiler boiler room? room. I think they were in the boiler room, yeah. 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 I've never seen seen Walden shit. Well, Vampiro was sitting somewhere weird, and so Mean Gene Oakland and his tux had to also be there, because that's funny, you know. Yeah, of course. he interviewed Vampiro... Um, and Vampiro said that Sting was old and that Sting was about to have a panic attack. And somewhere in this stupid promo, he allegedly said yes. 
to the first blood match challenge. After commercial, Mean Gene has left the boiler room. Oh, before this, because there's just too much fucking shit booked on this goddamn show. Bischoff then yelled at Kidman for booking himself in a match with Hogan. Then we went to commercial. And then we came back from commercial, and Bischoff and Kidman are still arguing, but this time in front of Mean Gene. Uh, and Bischoff said that it would be Mike Awesome and Kidman versus Hulk Hogan and a partner of Hogan's choosing in a tag team match player. And he also said that he'd be the referee for Hogan versus Kidman at Slamboree. Oh, God. Now, Brian, we've watched wrestling for Christ knows how long at this point. When yeah. they when they do this gimmick where they say, well, this babyface here has uh, all this time to go find another partner, how long do they normally have? The whole show, normally. Yeah, they, I bet they, you know, they at least have 30, 45 minutes, maybe even close to two hours, you know, yeah. to to do it. They had approximately, I don't know, Hulk Hogan had approximately 30 seconds because when Bischoff finished cutting his promo, Mike Awesome's music began playing and Awesome came out for the tag team match. Poor Hogan. Yeah, that's hot. Yeah, that's hot. So shockingly, in 30 seconds, Hulk Hogan did not have enough time to find somebody. Now, Going down the Millionaire's Club, Sting was busy with Vampiro. Flair and Luger just got hit with bats. Uh, Paige was busy getting ready or getting Arquette ready. Where was Sid? Where has Sid been the last couple weeks? He's disappeared since that mini heavyweight tournament thing. Yeah, so Sid's off playing softball somewhere or something because... He hasn't been bothered to show up for work, I guess. Makes sense. Um, or, or I guess he wasn't a fan of Vince Russo booking him in 90-second matches where he lost every week. One of the two. I would say B over A. Um, and so, anyway, Hogan had nobody because Nash was still injured, by the way, so that takes care of the entire Millionaire's Club. And... You know, so shockingly, he was able to find a partner in 20 seconds. Uh, Hogan had F-U-N-B on his vest, and he looks into the camera and states that N-B stood for new blood and that we could guess what the F-U stood for. Hmm. I wonder, what does that mean? Hogan took 90... 98% of this match. Yeah. And Easily. It's a two-on-one handicap match. Hogan is the babyface and the one in the two-on-one handicap match. And he beat their asses minutes on end. Yes. Awesome. Like, Kidman wasn't... It really wasn't even a handicap match. It was more Hogan versus Awesome because Kidman stayed outside the ring the whole time while Hogan beat the shit out of Awesome. Awesome would get a punch in, maybe two punches, and then Hogan would come back on him. 
a typical Hogan match. And and then for some reason, Hogan dragged Mike Awesome over to the announce table and shoved Awesome into Mark Madden's face. Poor Mark okay. Madden. At this point, Mark Madden is the most sympathetic baby face on the fucking roster. Like, I, I get the, these are all the uh, jokes on Mark Madden uh, because he replaced Bobby Heenan, but for fuck's sake, like, uh, so Kidman then finally hit Hogan with a chair, which led to Awesome giving Hogan an awesome bomb through a table. Yeah, I don't know how sudden, Hogan agreed to that. Well, suddenly Kevin Nash decided to arrive at work an hour into the show, and he watched the match on a monitor while the heels set up a second table. Kidman splashed Hogan through a second table, and then what was actually kind of shocking, but part, mostly because they didn't really set up the fucking match at all, and that they never got the heat on him at all. This was almost all of their offense with these two moves. Kidman then dropped the big leg and pinned Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So I've got some good news and bad news, Brian. Oh, give me the bad news first. I'm not going to give you the bad news first because that would ruin the punchline. Oh, no, Frank. The good news is that Kidman did not get his ass beat by Hulk Hogan this week. Well, that's good. The, ba- the bad news is Kevin Nash walked out and beat the shit out of him anyway. <laughs> What's make up for Hogan? Nash beat the crap out of both Kidman and Awesome until Tory Wilson gave Nash a low blow. That's Tory Wilson. She's sure packed the punch. Whatever happened to her? Oh, God. This whole thing, by the way, they Nash in the ankle with a chair while saying that Nash's ankle had been uh, hadn't recovered yet from surgery. This was almost, almost a thumbs up segment, and then Kevin Nash beat the shit out of Kim and Austin by himself. So fuck it. <sighs> what are your thoughts on this one, Brian? I, I'm. That Hogan let awesome powerbomb through a table and then get splashed through a table. But, you know, other than that, not surprised at the finish of the match. It was now time for David Arquette's professional wrestling debut versus Eric Bischoff, who. I'm trying to remember all of Eric Bischoff's matches up to this point, and the only one I could—the only two that I could think of—are the Larry Zbysko match and the Jay Leno match. Did he fight Flair before this too, or no? Oh, oh yeah, he he did. He beat Ric Flair, and then he lost to Ric Flair, and he also lost to David Flair. So, I want to point out Eric Bischoff's one wrestling victory was against Ric Flair. Mm. So I think that, that, by the way, probably is worse than Rico. What? David Lo- Flair uh, losing to Arquette? No, Ric Flair losing to Bischoff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
That was that was worse than him losing to Rico, which was worse than him losing to Brian Adams. See, I don't know why he's so, digging on Brian Adams. He wasn't that bad. <laughs> so we have the one in four Eric Bischoff versus David Arquette in his professional wrestling debut. Um, Bischoff got the heat when WCW world champion Jeff Jarrett, I've always got to say that just because of how great they're booking Jarrett during this title reign. WCW world champion Jeff Jarrett had to hook David Arquette's ankle so Russo could get, or so Russo, the Bischoff could get the heat on Arquette. Um, Arquette, by the way, must have agreed with the guy in the audience with the signs that say, I'd rather be at Raw. Um, because Arquette showed what wrestling show he actually watches by doing both the spear and the worm on Bischoff. Uh, the referee got bumped for some reason. Um, DDP ran out to do interference. Eric Bischoff punched David Arquette in the balls, but then Jarrett accidentally hit Bischoff with the guitar. And then Chris Canyon, for the second time in one show, came out and beat up WCW world champion Jeff Jarrett, and a second hey, referee came out. No. And then a second referee ran out, counted the pin, and David Arquette, the undefeated David Arquette, yeah. improves his record to 1-0 and as he pins Eric Bischoff. You know, Brian, he, he's undefeated, and, you know, the last person who was undefeated on a wrestling show in a main event angle was Goldberg, and Goldberg won the world title. Yeah. To the same be said for our good friend David Arquette. Yeah, just wait till next week, Brian, when you get to review that match. Oh, thanks. Again, again, it's it's three minutes. So, what the fuck was her name? Um, I don't know. Pamela Paulshock. That was her fucking name. Who, until this show, was one of Scott Steiner's freaks was backstage in her underwear interviewing Arquette, or attempting to interview Arquette anyway, and uh, Chris Canyon was there screaming too. Meanwhile, Mean Gene Okerlund, who's all over this fucking show, uh, him, Jared, and Bischoff all yelled at each other backstage for some reason. Well, yeah, that's what they do. They just yell at each other. Well, why did Mean Gene have to be involved? Somebody had to interview them, and Pamela's already busy. Oh, God. So, Scott Steiner finally retired, Steinerized as his theme song, and made a two-week return for some reason. It was never explained why they brought that song back. Why? Music to gift to him yet? They already have that theme song he's always had as a heel. Like, that's where it gets funny. It's like he's always had that theme as a heel. Uh, and for some reason, for three weeks, they gave him Steinerized. Let's catch it. Uh, they want to be a baby face again. Well, he's a heel here. And speaking of heels, 
I think Booker T's a baby face again. Uh, who Booker T, who came into WCW on the New Blood as a heel, turned heel that night, and then he turned baby face for his match with Sting, where he gave Sting a fist pump after the match, and then he turned heel for some reason with Vince Russo, and then he turned babyface by siding with the other geeks of the New Blood, and then he turned heel by attacking Scott Steiner last week and keeping the world title on Jeff Jarrett, is now a babyface again. Um, I mean, thank God there isn't a thunder. Oh, God. Thunder, by the way, I'm going to bet Booker T probably turned heel five or six times on Thunder uh, that we'll talk about uh, next week, I'm sure. But um, So Steiner decides to test what he could say on TV without getting bleeped. Um, among the things that he said was that he used switches on his bitches and that nothing was finer than Scott Steiner. He went to New York City to find Booker's jive ass and that he was going to stick his size 12 shoe up Booker's aforementioned ass. I wonder if he'll stick it up Booker's jive ass or just his normal ass. Good question. Good question. (sighs) So Booker T, who is allegedly the baby face in this, oh, at this point, I I guess... This was his babyface turn for the week because he came out and interrupted Scott Steiner uh, talking about all the sex he was going to have. Um, Booker T's the babyface, and he informed this crowd of mostly white males that once a woman goes black, they never go back. Mm. Yep. yep. Bad idea. I think he turned heel with that line. Possibly, but you never know. Steiner then decided that that was the dumbest line ever, so he attacked Booker. However, we're already out of time for the segment as we go to commercial. Why would they do that? Apparently during commercial they had a hell of a fight that was broken up by security, but it doesn't matter because we never really got to see it. What do we see? What do we see? What do we see? Well, it's important that we don't see that, but we do see DDP tying his shoes, getting ready for his match. There wasn't time for the Booker T. Scott Steiner segment, but there was time for Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell attempting to leave, but Vince Russo stopped them and informed them that they had a tag team title match against Chronic tonight. Now, normally, Brian, in these, in these situations, when they tell somebody as they're leaving the arena that, oh, by the way, you have a title match tonight, um, how long normally do they have? I would say about 30 minutes. Sometimes, at least a full segment, enough time that these people who aren't even in their gear, they're in street clothes, have time to go put their gear on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Russo got done telling him they had a match, and Chronic's music played for the match. 
This is the second time they did this tonight, by the way. Shivani, by the way, announced that Scott... No. Shivani announced that Scott Steiner and Booker T would be a U.S. title match at Slamboree. Russo joined the announce table because it's just not enough shit at this point. And I'd completely forgotten about this, but Russo still has the Rolex that he stole from Flair at some point. I don't even remember when he stole the Rolex, but he did, and he has uh, it. Uh, Spring Stampede. Was it Spring Stampede or was it the first show? First show. First show. Well, either way, it's been at least two weeks. This is the first time they've mentioned it. Um, so Chronic beat the crap out of both of them. Uh, Bagwell threw the rest out of the ring. Uh, so then Chronic gave Bagwell the high times. Russo ran in because he's the big star. Russo ran in and hit Brian Adams with a baseball bat, which was the first thing Brian Adams sold in the entire match. Um, mm-hmm. And then the champs hit Chronic with the bat stomp, because, by the way, Bagwell and Douglas are the world tag team champions and not Vince Russo and Vince Russo. Are you sure? Um, are you sure? He should be. Um, yeah. the, refer- the referee was about to disqualify them, and so Russo hit him with a bat. Poor Nick Patrick. I know, poor guy. He's gone through a lot the last five years. And, and then Russo uh, just kind of free himself. Either way, either way Bagwell and Shane Douglas were still champions, so yeah. So, Bagwell and Douglas are the World Tag Team Champions, and Vince Russo is pissed off Chronic, but it's okay because Chronic are pussies and, you know, less than uh, Russo anyway. Makes sense. Tank Abbott is out next. Oh, God. There's just... There is just too much shit on this show. Well, yeah, it's a continued Tank Abbott calling out Goldberg. So, Tank Abbott is calling out Goldberg, but Goldberg is just like, fuck this shit. He He's mm-hmm. watching the show, and he doesn't want anything to do with this fucking show. Um, but Tank said it's done in three weeks, and Goldberg's still not here. And that nope, tonight... Of course not. Nope, of course he, not. He is going to kick some ass because of Bill. And this is all on Goldberg's shoulders, Brian. So for some reason, I noticed that they had the WCW.com geek sitting at ringside. And they never had them down there before. And really, it should have been an angle alert when I saw them. But for some reason... I figure we already had Mark Madden there to get his ass kicked as the announcer. Little Poor did I know. Ass. Apparently, Bob Ryder keeps fucking up ECW travel plans, and somebody told Tank Abbott about it because Tank Abbott beat the crap out of Bob Ryder. And then Jeremy Borash, in his television debut, jumps on the back of Tank Abbott. And so Tank beats the crap out of JB. Mm-hmm. 
by the way, um, Jeremy Borash and Joseph Park versus Scott Steiner and Josh Matthews is a real match at Slammiversary July 7th. That's right. It was, it, it, yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. What was that? I said, you're right. I remember that. Yeah. Oh, God. And, oh, by the way, he also knocked out Bill Banks, who is also one of the writers with Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara. It is now time for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship match. Mm-hmm. The, the WCW World Champion for eight days and counting, the chosen champion, Jeff Jarrett. Why do you keep saying eight days? eight days? Well, because he's so far been champion for eight days, Brian. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, Jeff Jarrett and DDP have a cage match at Slamboree for the title on pay-per-view. Better way to build up a cage match between the two men on pay-per-view than a cage match right here on free TV. That makes perfect sense to me. Yep. Um, They had a cage with the roof on it, which I'd like to say is WCW wasting more money, except they did use this cage like half a dozen times before. So, shockingly, it's not just WCW making a random uh, cage just for this. They did. I know they did. I know they did. Oh, by the way, just to show you that uh, WCW isn't the only people who do, who put bad, put dumb, stupid shit on TV, uh, my, my local ABC affiliate uh, just said that this basketball game between... Golden State at Cleveland was presented by the local lawyer. Now, the problem with that is it's not at Cleveland. At Golden, at Golden State. State? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's not just WCW who does stupid shit. ABC occasionally does something stupid as well. Uh, by the way, Golden State's up by 21. As the fourth oh, quarter is just beginning. Yeah. Um. Everyone knows every time we watch basketball during the show, it's a blowout. Yeah, weird. Yeah. <sighs> now, you might, back to the cage match. Now, you might recall that the point of a cage match is two people have such a bitter rivalry that they got to lock these two men in a cage to fight. And, you know, you never know what will happen because here they are locked in a cage Blah, 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 blah. However, this is a Jeff Jarrett main event match. And what does every Jeff Jarrett main event match have, Brian? Guitar. A guitar. No. A screwy finish. No. Not at all these things, but what else does every Jeff Jarrett main event match start with? Oh, an outside brawl. That's right. Crowd brawling. During this cage match, there was crowd brawling to start the match. And this whole match went maybe five minutes. I believe it was the second second longest match of the night behind the Hulk Hogan squash match where he slipped on a banana peel and lost. And so we had this match here with 
Paige and Jarrett fighting in the crowd for most of the match. Which, by the way, you know, despite all these flaws that this match has, we'll get to, this was still the best match of the night. Not that, you know, there was much uh, competition. to talk about here. Yeah. Um, they get in the ring, had a pretty decent little match, when suddenly, because it's a Vince Russo booked match, we must have interference. Mike Awesome runs in for the interference, and he breaks down the cage door as we get a sh- this screwed-up finish where Paige hits the diamond cutter, goes for the pin. Mike Awesome breaks into the cage. He The referee counts to two, and then Mike Awesome grabs his hand to stop him from counting. Chris Canyon, the... Instead of using the other hand, right. But then Chris Canyon, the badass of the company, he runs down and attacks Mike Awesome, freeing the referee's hand. And the referee's suddenly like, hey, my hand is free. Three. Yes, that's three. <laughs> you know, Mike Awesome says, you know, hitting the uh, DDP in the head or something. Yep. Instead of breaking up the fall... He grabs the referee's hand, and that's it, folks. And so, Diamond Dallas Page, for the third time, is the heavyweight champion of the world, and Jeff Jarrett's eight-day title reign comes to an end. At the time, he's tied for the ninth shortest world title reign in WCW history. Time... Because, Brian, I want you to guess where he ranks now after the WWE title ends a year and a half later. Well, he's not tied anymore for most. Probably, like, top 20. He is tied for 16th. Yeah. So, yes, that means that there will be seven title reigns shorter than this eight-day title reign. And I don't want to spoil anything for you, Brian, but we're going to be talking about quite a few of them. So DDP is your heavyweight champion of the world. Now, that would be an interesting way to end the show now, wouldn't it? It makes sense. The, the baby face wins the world title. The crowd is happy because, yeah, the match was screwy and all this shit, but the crowd was happy to see Paige win the title. However, that wasn't it. We still have four We still have four minutes of television time remaining, and thus we need a match. Sting versus Vampiro in the first blood match. You want to talk about this one, Brian? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It, I, it's terrible. Terrible. Like, like you said at the beginning, the match, is, uh, they only have about four minutes left on the show, so you know nothing spectacular is going to happen. Um, Sting comes out from the rafters, and either it's a fix where he, the thing gets stuck on his, uh, on the vest, or it actually does get stuck on the vest. I'm not really sure. Yep. But once he gets unhooked uh, from it, uh, he pretty much takes uh, over the match. And then all of a sudden, the material's outside the ring. 
and he does the Undertaker split throat, and blood comes down from the ceiling, covering Sting, covering the uh, ring, and then Vampiro just takes over from there, and Matt, the show ends with Vampiro staying over a bloody thing. Sting sold the blood. However, once the blood fell down, Kidman, Chris Candido, Shane Douglas, and Buff Bagwell all ran down for a five-on-one beating that Sting did not sell. Was su- Sting was Superman as he's easily fighting off five men, uh, three of which are champions. Uh, Steiner was there as well, but Steiner knew that this was total shit and You've never seen Scott Steiner blend into the background as much as you saw here. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, true. And so it took forever to get to, for Sting to unhook himself from the Raptors. It took about twice as long for Vampiro to hook him back up because the show ends with them using Sting as a uh, what's more about a pinata, and they hit Sting as the show ended with Sting hanging from the Raptors. Not mentioned, by the way, is the first blood match, a match that can only be ended if one man uh, begins bleeding, ended in a no contest. Makes sense. Yes, of course. Yes, Why would it? Not. Would it? Not. So that was Nitro. And Brian, Diamond Dallas Page is the world champion. Yeah. But but spoiler alert, Brian. He's not champion for much longer. Nope. Not that's all. Not that's all. Let's take a quick uh break here. You, yeah, well but, usually the phrase I'm not threatening you but is followed by threat. I'm sorry, Malcolm, I'm really sorry. sorry. Fuck sake, Jesus. Mike, well never got another fucking I think I'm trying to fucking smug and glum, haven't we? Fucking retarded! Jesus! Do you not think it would be germane to check who you're talking to? It's a fucking newspaper office! It's not a fucking sanatorium for the fucking death! Is it? Are you so dense? I'm not gonna have to run around slapping badges on people with a big tick on some and a big cross on them so you know when to shut your gob and when to open it! Jesus! Christ. Oh, but that'll probably confuse you as well, won't it? That'll be too confusing. You'll see the cross and go, oh, fuck, X marks the spot. Better tell this little person all about the Prime Minister's fucking catastrophic erectile dysfunction. Oh, not to worry. Not to worry. You've sent fucking Ollie over there to deal with it. Fucking Ollie! He's a fucking, he's a fucking knitted scarf, that's right. That's fucking balaclava. Well, you're on very shaky legal ground. Oh, God. I wish I could swear like that. You wish what? I wish I could swear like that. I know, right? I know, right? So, next Thursday night at 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. on the mountain, 7 p.m. Pacific, David Arquette wins the WCW world title, and we are going to talk all about that. Plus, we're going to talk about all the fallout because the WWF has a next week 
starts Raw with a brand new WWF champion in The Rock. WCW. Yes. Yeah, WCW starts their show with a brand new WCW World Champion, David Arquette. Now. What is wrong with this picture? Nitro this week, by the way, because we forgot to mention this, uh, Nitro did rebound from last week's horrible 2.5 rating, and thanks to a pretty decent first hour, went all the way back up to a 3.0. However, Raw also did its second highest rating in history with a 7.2. Next week, one of these two shows gets slaughtered. I wonder Even which more one. so than, yeah. Hmm. Next week, just as a reminder, it's not just David Arquette uh, wins the world title. They then do angles throughout the show featuring D- WCW World Heavyweight Champion David Arquette. We have the pinnacle of the Vince Russo writing reign because every time you ever bring up to him David Arquette, he points out that Courtney Cox filmed a vignette free of charge that they got to air on Nitro, and that is up here next week. Plus, Brian, you remember how we were talking about Tank Abbott being built up for Goldberg, for Goldberg's yep. big return? Next week, Tank Abbott challenges David Arquette for the WCW world title. And I want you to remember and I want you to remember that David Arquette loses the title at Slamboree and that Tank Abbott is never the WCW champion. Yep. Yep. All that plus so much more including Will Sting ever take a shower? Because this is the infamous time where Sting gets doused with the blood on Monday and then shows up on Thunder two days later, still covered in blood, showing that he does not regularly bathe. Plus, I'm sure Hulk Hogan's going to beat the crap out of Billy Kidman. And somebody's going to play hiding hide and seek. More than likely, somebody's going to play hide-and-seek, and we're going to see how many people are pushed as bigger badasses than former WCW world champion Jeff Jarrett. All that and much more All that and much next more. week. Oh, oh, yeah, and Sean Stasiak shoots baskets for two hours. I haven't watched the show yet. I just remember all this crap from memory that always happens to be on this one show. Brian went silent when I told him that Sean Stasek will be playing basketball next week for two hours. Yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. <sighs> so now that I've amped myself up, let's talk about that Nitro that we haven't watched yet. Uh, well, Save we it for can't next week. Catch Save it for next week. Okay. But until then, Brian, anything else you want to say to our fine listening audience? I'm going to bed once I hang up the phone. All right, Brian, so hang up the phone. I want everyone to stop listening 
Thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you again in seven days. Good night. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.